Well, hey, everybody. We're so glad to have you joining us once again online. My name is Dave Steimers. I'm the lead pastor here at Westside Church. And we want to give you a bit of an update uh, to our strategy. And as we head into the summer months, uh, the kind of things that you can expect. You may have heard this week that the Ontario government has allowed churches to uh, resume and open their buildings up to 30% capacity for worship services. And so this week, we've been uh, really chewing on that and trying to figure out what the wisest thing to do going forward is. At 30% capacity, by the time we add up uh, all the volunteers that we need to provide a safe and engaging environment um, on a Sunday morning, that only leaves a really small amount of seats that would be left uh, for people to come and to attend. And so right now, it's our opinion that we can actually provide a better experience to more people to continue to meet for our Sunday services online. And we know that for some of us, that's a little bit disappointing. And uh, we're really looking forward to being back on Sunday mornings meeting together. Uh, We believe that this uh, announcement by the government is encouraging and is signs moving towards that. But as I said, we believe at this point, uh, with all the challenges to social distancing, uh, to the restriction of numbers, and certainly for children's ministry and child care, which right now uh, there are some serious challenges that remain for us to be able to provide a safe space, that our best course of action is to continue to meet for our services online rather than in person on a Sunday morning. Now, having said that, we are really looking forward to making sure that there are groups of smaller sizes that are more manageable that we can start meeting in person. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be unrolling some opportunities in your life groups to meet in person as we follow the guidelines and the requirements from our government and health officials. And so uh, if you're in a life group already, your life group leader over the next few weeks is going to be talking to you and letting you know about the details about how some of those things uh, can happen and will happen. If you're not in a life group, I want to urge you right now, this is the time to sign up for one. Over the summer months, this is one of the great ways to be connected in person, to come together and to encourage one another and make sure that you're really feeling like you're part of our community. And so you can do that really simply by emailing us at info at westsidehamilton.com, letting us know you're looking to get into a life group, and we will respond and start a conversation so that we can get you into a group that best fits you and your family. And we're anticipating that uh, through July and August especially, those groups will be able to meet a couple of times in person, safely, uh, by all the, the different guidelines that we have, but to continue to build on our community and to make sure that you are staying connected through these months. And then we will also... Uh, of course, uh, really encourage you to stay with us on Sunday mornings on YouTube at 10 a.m. Or if you can't do that as you're doing other things or maybe taking some vacation time uh, to following up later in the week, watching our messages and our announcements, staying with us, uh, not just you watching, but staying on mission with us because we're continuing to see God do incredible things, uh, do great works in people's lives uh, through uh, this online um, avenue. And uh, we're going to continue to ask him to do that and invite our friends and family to join us online. So thank you so much for staying with us, for your patience, and for continuing with us through the summer months. Let me pray and we'll get into our message. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the ways that you're continuing to work in our life in a challenging time. We want to lift up those who are feeling particularly restricted or lonely 
God, over these next few months, we ask that you would continue to build a great and deep community uh, amongst us here and those uh, who might not be geographically close to us but are meeting with us online. We pray that you give us wisdom as we continue to look for ways to meet together uh, and to reopen our our building and our Sunday morning uh, live in-person services as well. God, thank you that you continue to work no matter what it looks like in our world around us. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, one of the rules that we've had to teach our son, Joe, is uh, about safety around the road. So we like to go on family walks, and our son, Joe, now is three years old, almost four years old, and he loves his scooter. So when we go on a walk, he loves to to get on his scooter, which often means that he's a little bit ahead of us, and he's racing out there. And we realized quite a while ago that we need to make sure that we teach him the rules about safety when it comes to the road. And so we taught him that he has never, ever supposed to go on the road without mom or dad. That even if he's scooting and he gets ahead of us, he's got to stop when he gets to a place where he's got to cross the road. And he's got to wait for us never to go ahead without mom or dad. We want to make sure that he is safe, that he learns how to look for cars, all that kind of stuff. But as much as we've taught him to never cross the road without us, that's not really what we mean. Not ultimately, because I'm hoping that at some point, he's actually going to learn how to cross the road safely. That's more the point, that he's going to learn as he matures to look both ways, uh, to look for threats, to look for cars, uh, to look for things that, that might not be safe for him, but then to be able to cross the road. And I hope one day he learns to cross the road without mom and dad. Because otherwise, he's going to be 40 years old, and I'm going to be walking him to his office to make sure he gets to work safe and he can cross all the roads to get there. More than that, something I've learned as a parent, uh, having small kids, is that there's sometimes, when when you've learned to stay off the road, you've learned then to to cross the road safely. Uh, As a parent, you have to learn when you're going to have to take a risk to run out onto the road because somebody else is in danger. So in those couple of instances, it hasn't op- happened often, but when one of, us, one of our kids has wandered into the street, there's times where you might have to run out and step out, even though you see a car coming, to make sure they stop and to make sure your kid is safe. And I hope that one day Joe will learn not just to not cross the road with a parent, but to learn how to cross the road on his own, and then even to learn when it's time to take a risk so that you can ensure the safety of somebody else. There's a progression there that I I hope he's going to learn, and it's actually something I want us to talk about when we think about the kind of way that we live our lives and the rules that we live by, or the way that we make decisions about our morality, our ethics, and our way of life. And I want us to discover that there's actually a progression for us in how we look at rules and how we're supposed to follow them, and even when we're supposed to break them. The Dalai Lama has this quote where he says, learn to follow the rules well so that you'll know how to break them properly. I thought, what a great quote that is. Learn to follow the rules well so that you'll know how to break them properly. And that's actually a principle that I think we learn from Jesus. We see that Jesus was a rule breaker. Jesus often broke the traditional conventional rules of his day. And we've already seen that in this series, Going Beyond Your Current Mind, where Jesus breaks rules like the the way that they observe Sabbath, for example. And he gets into these debates because uh, people who are very concerned with following the rules come to him and get very angry. How dare you break these rules? So I want to look at how Jesus breaks the rules and maybe even how he teaches us 
to learn rules well, but so that we can break them in the good ways that we're supposed to and actually get to a deeper level of spiritual, moral, ethical maturity. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7 today. If you have a Bible and you want to follow along with us, we'd love for you to read this on your own, um, not just with us today, but really to dive in and see what Jesus teaches us by what uh, he says and also by how he acts. So verse 1 of Mark chapter 7, it says, Now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, Well, Did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written? This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. So Jesus starts by breaking their laws of washing their hands. Now, uh, we would look at this today and we would say, you're not washing your hands. Are you crazy? Washing your hands is a really big deal. And of course, we've learned uh, through a pandemic the importance physically of washing your hands. That's not what is being addressed here. This is not about physical hygiene. It's actually about a deeper spiritual reality. The way that they would wash their hands or the different utensils uh, that we read about, uh, the plates of the bowls and all kinds of stuff was about symbolizing a spiritual purity. They had these, these really uh, deep understandings of what it meant to be pure. And Jesus and his disciples come along and they break those rules, probably on purpose, probably to provoke a conversation like this. And so they come and they ask him, why don't you adhere to the rules? Why don't you follow the tradition of the elders? Tradition of the elders was a combination where they would take scripture and then they would add teaching, usually verbally, orally to people that was passed down from generation to generation on how to live by the scriptures. So they would take the scriptures, the the laws that are in there, and they would add to them interpretations about how we can make sure that we follow the different laws and rules that are in the Bible. And before we say, oh, this is terrible, you should just follow the Bible, we all do that. It's actually necessary. It's saying, well, here are the rules, but it's not always clear, or we might be worried that we might, uh, by accident, violate a rule or do something we're not supposed to be doing. And so they start to add to it their traditions. Here's how we make sure that we're doing the things that we believe God is calling us to do. Sometimes that was called building a fence around the law. So if we make sure that there are certain boundaries here, we won't go too close to the things that might be bad for us, that God might not want us to do, that might be unhealthy. And that's probably really good logic in some ways. But here, Jesus is going to provoke them as they ask, why don't you follow these traditions? We've all come together to to agree on what keeps our purity, what makes us a people, and you're breaking them. One of the things Jesus is going to point out is that what they're missing in their zeal to follow the rules is the the, the real depth of what the rules are pointing to. They've started to focus so much on the symbols that they've lost the reality. 
So their, their really um, focus becomes on purity. And what they were interested in was not just individual purity, but purity of their community. And so the rules and traditions that they would start to add on were the things that they thought would keep them pure. We don't want to be we don't want to be like everybody else was really what they were saying. We're supposed to be different. And so here's the things, the boundaries that really make us pure. And part of that was using these symbols. We wash it this way, that way to make sure that we know even when we're eating together, such a deep symbol of relationship and community, we're doing so as a pure, as a clean people, not just as a kind of ordinary people. We're people who have the presence of God and that brings a different light to it. And one of the things Jesus is pointing out is, in doing this, you've created this fence that keeps people out and keeps you pure. But what he's going to point out in another section is that you might be physically washing all this stuff, but inside, there's no purity there at all. And so in trying to adhere to these rules and to be quote-unquote pure, you're not pure at all. You're just physically cleaning things when spiritually you're not allowing God to clean anything. You're allowing things that shouldn't be in your heart to continue to be there as you focus on the external rules. So Jesus, looking at how they interpret scripture and the traditions that they add into it, actually overrides both. He actually, the way he interprets scripture, changes how he applies the rules from the Hebrew scriptures. And he challenges the way that the tradition of elders has added different rules. He gives an example of how far they've, uh, how far they've come from actually embodying the heart of God's commandments with an example. Verse 9 says, he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandments of God in order to establish your tradition. Remember, he's just brought up um, from Isaiah the prophet and called them hypocrites. This is what Isaiah was talking about. And is he talking about you? People who have totally missed the point by trying to follow the rules, but by actually missing the heart of God. So he follows up, wow, you've really rejected the commandment of God in order to establish your traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles father and mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, that is given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and many such things that you do. So Jesus brings up this, this example and he brings up actually uh, an interesting point. You can read the Bible and if you read it like a rule book, you're going to come to points where you need to decide what rules you're going to follow because they might compete with each other. So he talks about Corban, which is a Hebrew word and a Hebrew idea about sacrifice, sacrifice in the temple. When you take something that you have and you vow to give it to the temple in worship to God. And he says, he pits that against with the idea of um, honoring your father and mother. He says, here's what you've done. And this is kind of the background of it. You've said to people that if they take some of their possessions, money, whatever they have, might, ever, might change into money, and they declare it in a vow to the temple as Corban, as a sacrifice, and this is something they would sometimes do in the future. This I'm setting aside. In the future, it will be given to God in this way. He said, you're allowing people to do that, but then they say, well, now I have no money to take care of my parents who are aging. 
which would have been in their culture and society a great responsibility that you would have towards your parents. And he's saying, don't you understand there's another law that says you're supposed to honor your father and mother or you should surely die? But you're using this as a loophole to say, but I can take some of my stuff and if I declare it a sacrifice, I don't have to give it to my parents or provide my parents with something. He's realizing that, see, in trying to follow the rules, you've missed the heart of the point, which in both cases there, towards the temple or your parents is generosity and a generous heart. But with the traditions you have of the elders that says, oh, well, you can give it to the temple of Corbin, you're now ignoring the other rule, the other law that says to honor your father and mother. And in doing so, you've missed the heart of God in it, which is to be a loving and generous person towards the temple and God and what he's doing and towards your parents. Maybe you should be finding a more creative way to do both of those things instead of using one law to negate the other one. And in this case, what Jesus is saying, one law to negate one, another law that's even more important. You've totally missed the point of following the rules. And so we learn this, and this is important. Following the rules and following Jesus are two different things, which is why I love that quote that we looked at earlier We need to learn how to follow the rules well so that we know how to break them properly, so that we know how to get deeper to the heart of God and to live in such a way where we're allowing him to change us from the inside out. And that's really what purity is about. So these people who thought we need to build these fences to make sure our community is pure and we're not letting impurity in from other people has actually made them very judgmental, very exclusionary, And they haven't actually become more pure at all. Not really. They're not allowing God to change them. They're just becoming rule followers. So later, if we skip down, Jesus goes into a section where he talks about what really defiles a person. And he said, what defiles you isn't these external things that come to you. It's what's already in your heart that comes out. And that's where we need to focus. He doesn't say that outer Rules or laws are bad and not important. They are important. It's just the way we adhere to them needs to come from an inward transformation of heart, not from an outward adherence to the rules or to the laws. God actually has to change us. So he points that out in verse 27 or 21. He says, here's what comes from your insides if you're not really adhering to spiritual transformation. You're trying to follow the rules. He says, evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, Sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. And man, he's saying to them, you you hypocrites, you're so concerned about following the rules that you've missed allowing God to root those things out in your life. And if you did allow God to transform you deep within you, then you would have a lot less problems with how to follow the rules. You'd be the kind of person who would be loving and generous and caring gracious, forgiving, all the other things that uh, mark someone who actually is experiencing the pure will of God, cleansing them within, and moving towards being the kind of people God has created us to be and called us to be. And so we need to see that when it comes to purity, we need to be careful as well that we're not just trying to follow rules and saying, good, now we're the ones that follow rules and we're separating ourselves from people that we think don't follow the rules properly. And instead, we're looking for ways to allow God to transform us so that our outer actions match the inner disposition of our hearts, which is pure before God, opening ourselves up to him and allowing him to make us into the kind of people he's created us to be. So let me talk to you about three different levels of maturity when it comes to how we think about the rules. 
And I think we need to make sure that we don't jump too quickly to, to just saying, oh, the rules aren't important because that's not what I said. The rules are important. And that's actually an important step in how we mature in our ethical, moral, and spiritual lives. But let me give you kind of a, a breakdown of three different levels of maturity when it comes to rules. The first is rebellion. We need to be careful of this. Some of us, when it comes to the rules, our disposition is, you can't tell me what to do. I don't want to follow the rules. The rules don't work for me. I don't think those rules will be fun. And I want to be in charge of my life. And so we have a rebellious spirit. We see it in toddlers. We see it in teenagers. Many of us had a rebellious phase. But for some of us, it's not a phase. It's lasted a really long time. In fact, in our culture, more than maybe any other culture in the history of the world, we prize autonomy, which means I can do whatever I want to do. Or some of us would use a version of that. I can live however I want to live as long as I don't hurt somebody else. Our personal freedoms in our culture have been hyper-prevalent, more so than in so many other cultures, even around the world today. In North America, we make our lives so much about, I can do whatever I want. Don't tell me how to live. I'm writing my own story, my own life. And for many of us, uh, that's towards authority figures and God even as authority figures. Uh, there's no God that can tell me what to do. We have rebellion. Some of us learn that we need to mature out of that, but some of us, we need to confront the spirit of a rebellion that's living inside of us to say that that's not actually good and it's not actually healthy. And so some of us learn, okay, we need to mature beyond that. If we're going to have any kind of healthy relationships, then rebellion's not going to work. Uh, if we're going to have healthy bodies, rebellion's not going to work. Um, if we're going to have a healthy relationship with God, rebellion's not going to work. So then we move to another phase, which we see Jesus dealing with here, which is the phase of rules. And as much as we've talked about the fact that these people were missing the rules, this is a crucial step in our maturity. We need to learn to move from rebellion to a place where we can discern what's right and what's wrong. What are some of the things that I need to make sure are part of my life? What are some of the disciplines that I need to make sure I'm building in my life so that I'm building strength and learning how to live with other people? We can't skip over this step. Just like a child needs to learn that they can't cross the road, they need to learn how to stop, how to look both ways, and how to cross safely. So it is with us in all areas of our lives? What are some of the rules of relationships? What are some of the rules of finances? What are some of the rules of ethics? So that we don't just slip always back into rebellion, just living on a whim and whatever feels good and nobody can tell me what to do. We need to learn to submit ourselves to good authority figures and to the authority of God in our lives and to build in some of those rules. It's a mature place to get to. The problem is that we sometimes think that that is the highest level of maturity and we get stuck there and we become rigid. That's what Jesus is dealing with in this passage with the Pharisees and the scribes. They've learned to follow the rules, but they haven't gone beyond that. And so now they've become so rigid in the rules and the symbolism of the rules that they've missed the heart of what God wants for them. And so they've become mean-spirited, crabby, exclusionary, judgmental. We follow the rules. Why don't you follow the rules? You're not really pure. You're not doing the right things. They become close to other perspectives. They become close to people who live differently or think differently. And the problem is that as they close themselves in in these boundaries, they're not actually becoming more gracious, loving, joyful, peaceful. They're stuck in this rigidity. And we probably all know people like that. 
And maybe a lot of us can see some of that in our own lives and in our own hearts where we've adhered so much to the rules that we've become rigid about it. And instead of bringing us closer to other people, it brings us further apart. And unfortunately, this has characterized so much of Christianity where people look in and say, man, if that's what Christianity is about, becoming so rigid and crabby and mean and judgmental, I want no part of it. And we have to really look at ourselves and say, wow, is that really becoming more mature? Yeah, we need to learn how to submit to good rules. But if we just become rigid, mean-spirited, crabby, and judgmental, does that really move us towards a deep, transformed spiritual life that helps us to live the way of Jesus in our world? And I would say no, which is why, again, we need to learn to follow the rules well so that you know how to break them properly in the proper way, the way that Jesus does when he says, you know, I'm not washing my hands because you've made washing your hands into something that it was never intended to be. So it leads us to the third stage. And this one is going to feel for many of us unsettling because we get uh, a feeling of security from the rules that we become comfortable with, the boundaries that kind of mark us away from everybody else that's not like us. We get a certain comfort out of it. We know that our community is marked by people who are like us and people who don't threaten us with their way of doing things and their way of thinking. And so this third thing that I think Jesus pushes us to will make us feel like that is, is really uh, an insecurity. It's going to make us feel like, oh, are we going back to rebellion? And we're not. But we're called to go further than just following the rules to a place of reliance. Or what Jesus always calls us to, faith, which better translated means trust. To give your entire life, to give all your confidence of your life and how you live it and place it on to the maps that Jesus gives us of how do we read scripture? How does he interpret scripture? Because in, in this passage, just after what we read, um, he takes this idea that the Jews only ate certain kinds of food and they didn't eat unclean food. And he says, what defiles you is not what goes into your mouth, but what comes out of you. And that's when he talks about those different attitudes and, and, and mindsets that are in our hearts. And Mark writes in there this, this little cue. He says, and thus he declares all food clean. Well, the Bible said not all food was clean, but Jesus interpreted it a different way. Well, that was a symbol that pointed us towards the fact that we are supposed to be a people that are not just ordinary. We're supposed to be people who are sacred. But all people are supposed to be sacred, called to be sacred. And it's not about whether you eat pork or shellfish or not. It's about what you allow God to do in your heart to transform you. And so we don't go back to rebellion and say, ah, it doesn't even matter what you do. No, we go further to reliance. It matters so much that we, what we do that we don't just get stuck rigidly on the rules, but we move closer to the heart of God as we rely on Jesus to point us in that direction, to teach us, and to transform our hearts such that our actions line up with the heart of God. And that can't come from rigidly following the rules, though we have to learn to do that. We go beyond to a deep life of trust to say, Jesus shows us what true wisdom looks like, how to get to the heart of God. Now I'm going to give my whole life to following him as he shows us, imitates, and empowers us by his spirit to do those kind of things. That's real spiritual transformation. The Apostle Paul picked up on this. He taught the same thing. Galatians is a book, a letter that he wrote all about this. People were getting confused. 
because the, the Jewish people said, well, we have the law. This is how we follow God. And Paul will say, yeah, we address that. And we don't just throw it out. We do not just throw it out. But Jesus has shown us what the law really does and what it doesn't do. And this is what he says towards it. He says, so then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. The word guardian there is a word uh, like a kid's tutor. The law was like a kid's tutor teaching us the things that we needed to know until Christ came so that we could live by faith. He says that earlier in that chapter. And that we're justified by faith. How do we know that we are the, the people who are, are just in good relationship with God? It's through our faith in Jesus that Jesus is making us those kind of people so that we can live out the principles of God. So what was the law? What were all these rules? We should just be rebellious. He says, no, no, no. It was a tutor teaching us one level of maturity so that we could come to the next that we could live by deep faith and trust as Jesus and the spirit of Jesus teaches us what it looks like. Remember what Jesus taught us, how to interpret all of those laws. How do you follow all of them? You love God with everything that you are and you love your neighbor. And who's your neighbor? It's everybody, even your enemies. That becomes the guiding principle of God's heart. All these other laws are trying to help us point us towards that. That's what faith in Jesus will look like. And so now we become people who try and live by the spirit of Jesus, not just by a spirit of rule following or a spirit of rebellion. So what should we do with this? I want to come back to the idea that this whole series has been based upon, um, the idea of repentance, to go beyond our current mind, to think differently, and to say, where do we need to repent? And all of us might be in different places. So here's three questions I'd love for you to ask yourself and talk about in your life groups and with uh, maybe people who are close to you. Number one, where do I need to repent of the spirit of rebellion? Where in you are you still saying, nobody, not even God, can tell me how to live? And where do you need to break that down and say, I need to submit? And your step there might be to say, there's actually some rules that I need to live by so that I can learn to move out of rebellion and submit to good rules, principles that God is putting in my life that's good for me, good for my relationship with God, and good for other people. Number two, where do I need to repent of the spirit of rigidity? where I'm just following the rules and I've become judgmental about people who don't follow in the way that I do and where I've become uh, mean-spirited and where maybe I really do follow the rules, but I'm missing the heart of God. And where do I need to say it's time not to go back to rebellion, but it's time to move towards reliance and to repent, to change the way that we think, to say I need to be willing again to learn new things, to go deeper and to understand other perspectives that might really help me instead of just sticking with where I've been for a long time that's made me feel safe and secure because I follow the rules and people like me follow the rules. And then finally, how can I grow in the spirit of reliance and relationship to really understand not just the rules, but the heart of God, to allow the spirit of God in prayer and through scripture to change my mind, to infiltrate my heart, and therefore to change also my actions and how I live in the world. Jesus is called in the New Testament wisdom for us. He's been made wisdom for us. Rule following for a lot of us makes us feel secure because we can make it black and white easy. You follow it or you don't. Jesus becomes wisdom, which says we learn the deeper principles and heart of God that help us through the hard parts of life that aren't always black and white or easy to discover, but we spend our entire lives, and make no mistake, it will take our entire lives to grow and to build wisdom in our lives so that we know how to act and react, how to love well, how to be gracious, 
and how to embody the spirit of God that's been given to us that lives inside of us. And so as we trust Jesus more and more with the decisions we make, with the things we allow him to teach us, and with the ways we allow him to convict our hearts and change our minds, we see the spirit of God working inside of us to allow us to abandon what seems to be the safe way, but to live in the free flow of the Holy Spirit. And this is a level of maturity that is difficult to cultivate, but one that I believe Jesus teaches us to imitate and to move towards, the path that he invites us to take. So for some of us, it's time for us to learn to stay off the road so that we don't get hurt. For others of us, it's time that we learn how to cross the road safely so that we can go to work. And for others, and this is incredibly challenging, we need to learn from Jesus when it's time to put our own lives at risk for the well-being of others and there to find the heart of God's sacrificial love that we see in Jesus giving himself and his life on the cross for the world. Real, true love, the heart of God. And we see that that is the life that Jesus embodies and the Father resurrects and lasts for eternity. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much that Jesus shows us this. What a challenging thing for us. Would you help us to be wise Help us to move beyond rebellion and not to go back to rebellion. Help us to build good rules into our lives, but not to be stuck with them in rigidity. Ultimately, God, help us to come to the point where we're growing and learning in reliance, a relationship with you that drives deeper into our hearts and allows you to change us all through our lives so that we can embody the wisdom of the spirit of Jesus and the love that he so clearly shows us on the cross. It's in his powerful name that we pray. Amen.